are so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. You know, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, October the 6th, 2017. I am your host, Allison Cole, and I am joined here today by our co-host and control room operator, Amir Ali. Hello. And our guest co-host, Natalie Zarako. Hi. Welcome to our annual Thanksgiving show. So yes, our Canadian Thanksgiving happens this weekend, and for many, it means celebrating a festive holiday with family and lots of delicious food, and often with a big dead bird on the center of the plate. This bird is known as a turkey, and it makes me really sad because turkeys are my friends, but humans raise and slaughter tens of millions of these sentient beings every year to be eaten at Thanksgiving. So today, the three of us will be having a discussion about how we will be enjoying a compassionate Thanksgiving this year where no slaughter and death is going to be celebrated for a holiday. Then we'll be learning about turkeys as individuals and we'll have some turkey talk and stories by Diane Marsh, who is one of the founders of our local Happy Herd Sanctuary, a place where animals have been rescued from slaughter to live out the rest of their lives in peace. I love Larry and Mo. They are both beautiful turkeys who live at the Happy Herd, and we'll be learning more about them and why turkeys are actually fascinating animals to be appreciated and respected. But before we go on, I want to say a special happy 40th birthday to my dear sister, Leanna, today. (laughs) She is a friend to the animals, and this past year, especially, she has been finding her voice and taking action for animals more than ever. She is so very thoughtful in her words. I really appreciate her social media activism and and just the careful words that she crafts to speak up for the animals. Earlier this year, she took her activism up to a new level as well in participating as one of the core few people in demonstrations at the Shriner Circus in her city in South Dakota and in another city nearby. She captured a video of poor circus elephants exhibiting signs of stereotypy, that is stereotypical behavior such as swaying and bobbing their heads, which show that they are experiencing anxiety, distress, or boredom, which is common in captive animals such as elephants. Now, this video shared on Facebook by the organization Compassion Works International has now gone on to be viewed over 96,000 times in the last four months. Because of my sister's individual initiative, this action has conveyed a message to people across the globe to become educated about animals imprisoned in captivity for the purposes of entertainment. I hope that my sister continues in her activism as a vegan who cares about animals very deeply and who wants to speak out for injustice. And to you, Leanna, I wish you a wonderful happy birthday today. I'm thinking about you as always. So... 
Moving on, it's Vancouver International Film Festival season right now. It's mm-hmm. underway. I know, Mayor, you saw a film last night, which we'll be talking on a future show about. Yeah. Yeah, so VIF started last week. It runs until October the 13th. You can check out their full schedule at viff.org if you're interested. Now, last week, I attended a special presentation that included a screening of the film Okja, and then afterwards, there was a live Q&A session via Skype with the filmmaker himself, Boon Joon-ho, who lives in Korea. So, Natalie, I know you've seen the film already before, so you've got some thoughts about that. Amir, you have not seen the film yet, so you might have some questions for us. Now, this film has received a lot of hype in the vegan community this year. It was released on June the 28th on Netflix. It's been called the first great Netflix movie and is just it's just receiving a lot of accolades because I think it's just it's a be- not only is it a beautifully done film, there's a lot of animation in it and just so many scenes that just make and it's just so it's so just intricately woven into this great story, I think. Did you know that Netflix has 100 million subscribers? So just think wow. about like how far it's reaching it's reaching far and wide yeah. it was at the at the center for the performing arts last week which is a really large theater is pretty full and uh, i'm excited just to spread the message about okja and what this film could mean for the future because i really do think it, it may be it may be changing hearts and minds so yeah so what it is about it's called to be a near future fiction love story and it's it's about the love between a young girl her name is miha she lives in korea she's 13 years old she lives up a a tall mountain uh, with her grandfather and her best friend is a pig but not just any pig right a super pig. So what is a super pig, you might ask? So yeah, I don't know how much you know about this, Amir, but but Okja is one of these 26 super pigs that have been bred, genetically modified by this large corporation named the Miranda Corporation, which is run by Tilda Swinton, who's in character as her name is Lucy Miranda, and she's, she's, tied, she's known as this bubbly chief executive. It's her family company, and her job is to put on a great face for the corporation to show how wonderful it is to be able to breed these super pigs because these super pigs are large they're very large so they have less of an environmental impact too which as you know like our our world is dying right we have too many people on this earth at 7 billion right now and rapidly growing to be able to feed all people on the in the world who want to eat meat and so they realize this and like i said it's a near future sort of thing like this is coming really soon and we're already on the brink of this as a crisis in our world where, you know, like factory farming is destroying the world and so is in animal agriculture in itself, which Definitely. is the same thing. So so in this near future parable, they have bred these super pigs. They're huge and they poop really little small poops. So they're not, <laughs> so there's none of these big swamps and lagoons that are destroying people's and communities' health as well from all the toxic fumes and sewage. So it seems to be like the perfect answer right like let's breed these huge pigs and we can they have a low environmental impact it's a win-win well a win-win for everyone right but not for the pigs 
So this is where we come to learn about Okja, who is one of these pigs, that, uh, 26 pigs that have been bred around the world to see who could grow the largest one. And it turns out that Okja wins the prize, right? She's the best pig. But but who is Okja? Who was Okja to you, Natalie? Like, how did you, we really, we really receive a great personification of this animal. How did, how was that conveyed to you? The weird thing about Okja, because she looks like a giant hippo, is that she <laughs> she reminds me so much of my cat. I have this yeah. fat little cat named Evie, and when she lies on her side, she looks just like a pregnant sow, and she yeah. has the same look in her eyes. And just seeing Okja and the way she ran and played, like it was CGI, yeah. but it was so realistic, and it really made you feel for her, like as an individual, not as a product. She's beautiful. They share love. They share companionship, just like you would with any of your companion animals. Pigs are actually known to be even more intelligent, and I say that in quotes, than our canine friends, dogs. Right, yeah. but and they're just as loving. And actually, I love pigs myself. I love rubbing pigs' bellies, and I love I love being around pigs. I really identify with pigs. So let, let's let's move on here. So I think one of the key points of this film was like these p- super pigs are genetically modified, right? But the Miranda Corporation doesn't want to tell anyone about that. Like it's a secret. They're just saying that oh, we just found these pigs. No, they did not find them. And as it turns out, this part I didn't really get is that there weren't just the 26 that were being raised around the world, but they all already were factory farming them in these large, large pens where there were hundreds and hundreds, thousands of these super pigs that were already being processed in right. in their slaughterhouse system, which, by the way, the filmmaker, he actually visited slaughterhouses where he he went to see them to see to make an accurate depiction in his film on actually how slaughterhouses run. So what people are seeing there in the film is an accurate depiction. Um, it's very realistic. I've yeah. seen a lot of factory farm footage, which is just dead on what, yeah. what was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. So, just mo- t- speaking about that for a bit, like, what do you think that people? I mean, I'm reading a lot online that this is changing people's minds. It's opening their hearts. It's making them educated. Maybe. What do you think people might think? Like the average person who d- has never seen a slaughterhouse video before. What do you think they would think of this film? Seeing that section of it. I mean, they do an amazing job of portraying just how horrific this environment is for the animals, and they don't shy away from the fact that these animals are intelligent and they have feelings, and they're, you know, like we said, they're incredibly intelligent, possibly more than a dog, and they're suffering there. Yeah, and uh, and I want to say, too, that one of the major themes of the film was to speak about environmental destruction. Like I've been saying, like our population can't sustain what's happening. And Tilda Swinton's character, like the lead person, she was portrayed to be this psychopathic person who is always trying to just, like she's there for the bottom dollar, just the same as big ag, like big agriculture. And she was the representation of big agriculture, right? So this is what our agriculture system is. It's like if it was one person, person it would be her and it would be this sort of like psycho person who's trying to put on this facade of a happy face everything is okay to the public and really trying to, like they really emphasize that there was like a big parade with like these like inflatable pigs and everyone's cheering and eating sausages made out of animals just like okja and there was really a great juxtaposition there that I think the regular average viewer can identify with and apparently that is happening I was um, checking out if you go to our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver, you'll see a PETA article that I just posted. And on there, they're showing like all these tweets and Instagram posts and Facebook posts of all these people around the world that are being affected by Okja. And a lot of them are saying, just watched Okja, need to go vegan. 
So what do you think about that? What do you think about that, Amir? I mean, I think it's I mean, great. If there's makes a you movie, want to watch it, right? It does, yeah. yeah. And it shows the power of art to, to influence people. Absolutely. I always say the power of film is probably the most influential medium that we can really touch people's hearts and minds with. So we have to wrap up. I want to say that I will recommend Okja. It's not a vegan film, but it's changing hearts and minds. I, what, what do you think, Natalie? What? I, I yeah. also agree that it's not really a vegan film. I feel like the end message still yeah. is saying humane meat might be okay but overall I think it's leaps and bounds better than so much out there I would definitely recommend it it's a great story it's a great story so yeah that's at VIF V-I-F-F dot org if you want to see what other films are coming out and we'll have more next week hey there co-op radio listeners do you like food of course you do would you like to learn more about food? Why not? Well, then tune in every Monday at 8 p.m. for Food Line Radio, where we talk all about food, sourcing food, buying food, the politics of food, hey, even cooking food, food, glorious food. Listen every Monday at 8 p.m. for Food Line Radio on Vancouver's Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. For events, tomorrow at 9 a.m. on the northeast corner of Hastings and Commercial, Vancouver Chicken Save will be holding their Saturday Chicken Vigil to bear witness to the suffering these animals endure hidden from the public eye and to raise awareness of the extreme cruelty that is being inflicted on these birds. People are encouraged to bring signs to speak up for the animals. Also, this Monday, October 9th, and Thursday, October 12th, the Vancouver International Film Festival will be screening Blue, an Australian documentary about our oceans and the people who protect them. Blue plunges us into glorious waters in Australia, Hawaii, the South Pacific, the Philippines, and Indonesia, introducing us to individuals who have devoted their lives to direct action and education on our sea's behalf. This beautifully shot film is an inspiring call to battle for animal activists everywhere. You can purchase tickets online on the Vancouver International Film Festival website. All right, and I want to talk about our annual Compassionate Thanksgiving Potluck Celebration that is happening next Monday, October the 9th. That's for our Canadian Thanksgiving here. This is an event that um, that actually I started seven years ago as an Animal Voices yearly event and it has really grown we have like 200 people coming every year and it's a community event for people who want to join with others who don't want to celebrate cruelty but rather want to celebrate great cruelty-free food with other like-minded people amir you used to volunteer for me and it yeah, was fun it was, it was a lot yeah of fun. We'll, we'll talk more about it later just sort of like to give people um, an idea of more what it's about. So that's happening next Monday, October the 9th. Starts earlier this year, 4.30 p.m. And 200 people bring a vegan dish to share uh, and, a, and a donation, uh, entries by donation at the door just to help cover costs. There's going to be lots of raffle prizes, so you can bring some cash as well. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there, and I think Amir will be there, and who knows? Who knows who else will be there? 200 people. So that's happening next week. So if you do have an animal-friendly event that you... Oh, I didn't announce where it is. Oops, 5350 <laughs> Bailey Street. That's at the Oak Ridge Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's a really great hall. So if you have an animal-friendly event that you would like to have announced on the air... 
please send us an email at radioanimalvoices at gmail.com or you can post it on our Facebook page, Animal Voices Vancouver. Dear God, thank you for the turkey we're about to eat and for the turkey farms where they pack them into dark, tiny little sheds for their whole lives. Thank you for when they burn their feathers off while they're still alive and for when turkey gets kicked around like a football and killed by people who think it's fun to stomp on their little turkey heads. And special thanks for all the chemicals and dirt and poop that's in the turkey we're about to eat. Oh, and thank you for rainbows. Amen. Let's eat. Well, I've, I've never heard that added before, but... That so, wow. Who wants to eat a turkey for Thanksgiving? <laughs> Not me. Not me. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today, is how we plan to celebrate a compassionate Thanksgiving this year and tips for navigating a holiday that is kinder for both human and non-human animals alike. So as I mentioned just before, this coming weekend is our Canadian Thanksgiving holiday. It happens in October and our American neighbors, you'll be having yours in later in November. So you can listen to the show then or even now to prepare. So, you know, Thanksgiving is a strange holiday for me. I think as is Christmas where, uh, you know, a lot of it's centered about around food. I love food, right? I think we all love food. Definitely. Oh, yeah. But, and then there's also, we also see the theme of turkeys. And when I see a turkey, I think I have different a different opinion as to, as to when a regular, like a meat-eating person sees a turkey. Natalie, when you, when you think of turkey in your head, like what comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is Cornelius. He is probably He's my a turkey. favorite turkey. Okay. Yes, he is a friend of Esther the Wonder Pig and lives with her on the Happily Ever Esther Farm Sanctuary. And in Ontario. In Ontario, yeah. And the amount of personality this turkey shows. He struts his stuff. He's got attitude. I mean, he's like a cat. You know what? I, all, I think a lot of turkeys I've come in, I've encountered with are like that as well. So what about you, Amir? When you think of turkey, you know, people think people think of turkey in the as in not turkeys, but just you know, turkey den on the table. What do you think about when? I actually thought turkey? about this yesterday when I was watching this, mm-hmm. uh, the wolves documentary. That the, mm-hmm. the when I think of a turkey, I think of an animal that has lost its identity as an animal, and we only identify this turkey now as this carcass on a t- on a dinner table, which is really unfortunate. But yeah. That's unfortunately what I think of now when I think of turkey. Yeah, so when I think of turkeys, I, I think of them as, as people. They are people just like the rest of us, right? If you check out my Facebook, actually, you'll see my profile photo has me in a beautiful turkey. And I think this turkey used to live at the Happy Herd Sanctuary, which is who we'll be having later on on the show. Mm-hmm. And I know turkeys as being very affectionate curious beings i i think they're beautiful i love taking photos like close-up photos of their faces their faces change color they go from red and and a mix into this beautiful blue shade and i love it when you're saying they uh, like they like to strut their stuff like cornelius so when a turkey and i know this for a fact when a turkey wants to wants you to like him or her he opens up his wings and he displays like they're not always like that right like that's not their normal stance is they open up their feathers 
others and they say, here I am, take a look at me, I'm beautiful, aren't I? Like, they know they're handsome. And, it shows. And, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about Larry and Mo later on the show, and they're quite characters as well. So, I mean, just for, I've been to many animal sanctuaries in, in past years, and whenever there's a turkey, I mean, I've had experiences where a turkey will just, I'm just leaning, uh, sitting on the ground, and a turkey comes and wants to come and sit on my lap and cuddle. <laughs> And be and be cuddled. They love being cuddled, just like all animals do, including humans. Right? They're really no different. So don't, don't they purr as well when you pet yeah, them? Yeah, purr. That's a good. Yeah, I, that's a good uh, way to describe it. They certainly do. Maybe we can ask Diana about yeah, that later about sure. turkey purring. I'm not sure if that's the right term for it, but yeah, it kind of sounds like a a purr. And and you hear of like gobble gobble gobble, right? Like. <laughs> So, so yeah, turkeys are amazing as living creatures. When I see dead turkeys, not that I do very often, but, you know, yeah. you see the sights sometimes in media. I might see, like, an ad or something, and, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's an article in turkeys, but there's a big carcass on the table. Yeah. What does that mean to me? First of all, did you know that that carcass is so... One reason it's so big and plump looking, not all, not just because these birds have been genetically modified to grow as big as they can in as little time, but also because did you know that they're actually injected with what is called fecal soup? That's just like poo water the in heck? order in order to make them heavier because you pay by weight at the right. store, right? So they're plumped up with dirty poo water, Jesus. and yeah, it's not it's not healthy. That's why you have to cook your meat, people, right? Or else you're going to get sick oh my and. God. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I picture and what I see. And then also thinking about why people, like, you're supposed... when You know, like, stuffing is usually made by putting it up a turkey's oh butt. God, yeah. Like, does that... Does that seem weird to just it's me? It's so archaic to think about, you know? Like, this, this something that if 100 yeah. years from now, hopefully we'll be thinking how silly this was. Right. And, and they say that vegans eat weird stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And that's just like our traditional mainstream society here in North America who puts, who puts I don't want to cook my stuffing in a turkey's, you know, rectum. <laughs> kind of gross but it is gross so what does thanksgiving actually mean to us as vegans we're people who want to partake in compassionate lifestyles which means not supporting what we've just been talking about right all that death and cruelty and if you listen to our review about okja it's the same thing with turkeys it's really not any different you just switch out the animal so to me and this is why i i started the compassionate thanksgiving seven years ago is i saw that there was a need in our community here in vancouver about we're about 1.2 million people right mm-hmm. uh we have you know we have a big vegan community here i know i knew that i wasn't the only one that that wants to eat plants we have a beautiful abundance of plants right and that's why and so to me thanksgiving is about celebrating celebrating the abundance of wholesome plant-based foods i mean what what is it for you natalie uh, absolutely, that's a huge part of it. There is such a bounty of amazing things. I mean, even when I used to eat turkey, it was always the side dishes I would go for. I'd be mm. like, I want that mm. the mashed potatoes, I want the pie, I want all all the yams. I hardly even thought about the turkey. Yeah, and so for me, I think it's it's not it's uh, for a lot of people as well. It's about tradition, right? And what do we think about traditions? You know what I think about traditions is that traditions can be changed. Oh, for sure. So as people probably know the origins of Thanksgiving is actually quite oppressive to human beings right and but I think that it has been like 
people don't um, don't remember the origins, but they think of it as being a place to celebrate community and to celebrate food. And I want to reappropriate it into a celebration of good food, um, plant-based food, food that doesn't harm people. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a holiday where people can come together and celebrate kindness. And you can enjoy that experience with friends and family with hopefully not having a dead turkey on the table. So that's what Thanksgiving means to me and celebrating good times with friends and family and celebrating kindness and not cruelty. So now I know that, you know, not everyone is there quite yet where I say, hey, I'm going to attend a family uh, Thanksgiving celebration and it's going to be completely cruelty free. There's not going to be a dead turkey on the table. Natalie, tell us how you plan to send your spend your Thanksgiving this year. Well, it's a bit of a compromise situation for me. I'm going to be visiting my family this year who are not vegans at all. They're actually culturally very big meat eaters, so convincing them to even meet me halfway has been a big step. Hmm. But uh, we will be veganizing all the side dishes there. Uh, They are still going to have a turkey, which is very upsetting. But there will still be vegan mashed potatoes, pie, etc. I've expressed my feelings about turkey, and they know how I feel, but... You know, it's it's still a bit of a disconnect where they're more just trying to please me, I think, rather than worrying about the bird itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think everyone, every person who doesn't want to participate in cruelty but might have an obligation to spend time with family, such as yourself, right? Or, you know, maybe you just want to, right? Uh, but you want to try to make it work. We have to try to live in harmony with our carnist friends. For people who don't know that term, carnists are people who believe that eating meat is normal, natural, and necessary, i.e. most of the world, right? right? We mm-hmm. don't live in a vegan society, unfortunately. But um, you, you can if you go to the Compassionate Thanksgiving on Monday, though. So Amir and I will be there. So we'll be leave, living, in our, living in our own little vegan world there. But, <laughs> oh, but, that's so nice. Yeah. So what I suggest for you is, like, are you going to be bringing some kind of, like, in quotes, I put turkey like alternative because there are uh, many out there that are vegan yes uh, i was considering the field roast holiday roast i'm just not sure if it's sold out yet i was late buying i was told it's not sold in canada yeah field roast is not sold in the holiday roast they don't sell that in canada we have the gardein holiday roast okay yeah so that one i highly recommend we're having 16 of those donated actually for our event on monday they're delicious i eat those every year they've got the tofurkey ones here as well we have tofurkey those are also awesome highly recommend tofurkey i made friends with the founder of tofurkey this summer I had a oh, awesome. I had lunch with him hi Seth if you're listening <laughs> and yeah and then also so if you're in the states I do really recommend the field roast celebration roast which is awesome or the hazelnut ra- cranberry roast on croute which is it's a roast which is um, it's covered in puff pastry it's really good wow. you know, they did have yeah. that at Whole Foods so I think I the, think they just have that in their deli uh, yeah so, so you, you can, can kind get of get yeah. it but just not the yeah package? so okay. that's another thing too is you can buy the singular dinner at Whole Foods. I think they're about $16. They have vegan ones at the main Whole Foods. And the slice of like what we looks like meat, that's the field roast, the, the uncoute oh. field roast. Yeah. So um, so those are some suggestions. And I think it's just really easy to be able just to buy one of those. And then because making a Thanksgiving dinner is actually a lot of work, right? And I think that we can 
um, we can spend more time on the side dishes, right? Because there's already like these tofurkeys and that and garden roasts that are really easy just to purchase. And then there you go. They feed a bunch of people. Hopefully, I think people like them. I know at our potlucks, they, they sell, well, they get eaten really oh, quickly. Yeah, you remember sure. that? Yeah. yeah. That. We never have enough. It's just, oh, it's just, it's a lot of work to cook <laughs> them all in the kitchen. But yeah, so, um, so let's talk about... Uh, side dishes because if you are going to a holiday gathering where it's not vegan you know a lot of those side dishes can be made vegan but yeah but they might have like did you know mashed potatoes doesn't need to have dairy in it you don't have to put butter in it you can put in soy milk Um, you can put in my sister attended a family Thanksgiving last year I think or the year before and and they had put like dairy cream cheese in the mashed potatoes oh, and then wow. I think last year she made her own and she brought it so yeah bring some of your own things too I always say bring a dessert and to me, when I think, what do you think for, like, what do you think of for desserts for Thanksgiving? I think of apple pie and pumpkin pie. Pumpkin yeah. pie is my go-to. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting kind of sick of all the pumpkin stuff, so apple pie sounds good oh, to me. Oh, <laughs> I, I will never get sick of pumpkin stuff. Um, it's it's my favorite. They have the vegan pumpkin pies at Whole Foods now. Yeah, they do. I had to go eat one last week. I just had to. So, yeah, pumpkin pies are super easy to, to make vegan, and I noticed the ingredient that they use at Whole Foods is coconut milk, and that gives it some stability. It makes it really creamy. It's really still really high in fat and delicious. And yeah, <laughs> stuffing. So what do you say about stuffing? Like, I don't tend to do stuffing. And when I do, I, I, if I were still eating turkey, I wouldn't have wanted it prepared that way anyway because it gets all soggy. Yeah. I'm considering trying to make some kind of stuffing that I spread out on a baking sheet because oh, it's I always the like crispy parts I make I it like. in a casserole dish. Oh. Yeah, like a 9 by 13. I have recipes. So what I've done for this one recipe that I used to make every year and I veganized it because there were just eggs in it, I just put like water in it. You can make like a flax egg. Put in like a, I think it's like a teaspoon of flax with a tablespoon or three tablespoons of water and mix it around. It's just to kind of like combine things. So be creative. Like there's, but you know what? These days you don't have to veganize your own recipes like I used to back in the day. You just go online and you look for vegan stuffing and there's many, many, many recipes. A couple books I want to recommend. Uh, Issa Chandra Moskowitz's super fun holiday cookbook. I really enjoyed that one last year. Do you have recipe resources to recommend, Natalie? I do, yeah. Uh, mostly online. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pinterest has been a huge resource mm-hmm. for me. You just have to type in vegan Thanksgiving and literally thousands and thousands of recipes come up. Another great one is Yum you can that's a site where you can basically tell them the ingredients you have and a bunch of vegan recipes will come up and tell you what you can make it's very convenient that's really cool yeah Uh, and some other good websites are uh, vegan Risha has a lot of great recipes Uh, another good blog is uh, it doesn't taste like chicken they have an excellent vegan pumpkin pie recipe that's Mm -hmm. easily the best I've ever made Great. So I just want to say, you know what? Can we post those uh, links like on our website? Send them to me and I'll post them this weekend. Animalvoices.org. Absolutely. Yeah, great. So just to summarize, I just want to say the world is changing. People are watching films like Okja. And let's start changing hearts and minds. Let's start making, celebrating a compassionate holiday to be what everyone wants to do. So happy, compassionate Thanksgiving to everyone. We 
Radio 100.5 FM CFRO, 100% listener-sponsored radio broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. As you're well aware now, if you've made it this far into the show, Thanksgiving is coming up really, really soon. And unfortunately for most people during this time of year, the Thanksgiving peace de resistance, so to speak, unfortunately happens to be a turkey that has been killed and prepared in some manner fit for our human consumption. For our feature interview today, we have on the show Diane Marsh from the Happy Herd Farm Sanctuary in Eldergrove, B.C. The Happy Herd is home to many animal rescues and even, I believe, two turkeys that currently reside there. Diane is one of the co-founders of Happy Herd and is here to talk to us about the Happy Herd and the turkeys. And Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. And actually, welcome back, because you were on our show not too long ago. That's correct. And good afternoon to you, Amir. Nice talking to you. Uh, now, if our facts are still correct, you currently have at least two turkeys on the farm. Is that is that right? Well, give us a big congratulations, because we now have three turkeys. Wow. We've got Lizzie, a young female, about a month, month and a half ago, I guess now. Wow. And she was brought to us by some people in Chilliwack who lived near a turkey farm and was found wandering down the road. So she had escaped. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's the cutest old thing. It took her a while to get accustomed to people, but uh, she's getting better and better. And she's become the annoying little sister to Larry and Mo. <laughs> so now you have Lucy, Larry, and Mo. And for um, our no, no, Lizzie, Lizzie, Larry, and Mo. Yeah, they already have a Lucy. Oh, right. That's okay. the pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for our listeners that might not know the stories about Larry and Mo, we'd love to hear again about um, how Larry and Mo came to be at the Happy Herd Farm Sanctuary. Uh, well, Larry and Mo came to us about two years ago from a lady I know who does dog rescue out in Abbotsford and she had rescued a whole bunch of little three-day-old turkeys and as they started to grow up they had too many boys and of course didn't want them to end up on anybody's plate so asked us if we could take a couple of them and they've been like a fixture ever since they greet people at the gate they walk around with visitors and you know, now they've got the annoying little sister who kind of <laughs> tags along behind them. But uh, I think they've turned a lot of people off Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. 
That's amazing. That's exactly what, I, what we want to hear, Diane. This is Allison, by the way. I was just telling, hi, hi, I was just telling everyone before about Larry and Mo and how when I was there last year, it was I think it was Larry. He was totally following us around the whole farm when we were doing we were like doing our tour and going to see all the animals, and even when we were um, when we were working in the um, in the court picking up the the goat poop, <laughs> he was yeah. there the whole time. I have photographic evidence because he's in every picture like in the background and um is that like is that does he do that all the time like I felt like he was keeping tabs on us like it what what's his deal there well the two of them do like they're like little Siamese twins who kind of walk along in formation and follow people around but what people don't realize with turkeys is like dogs they have personalities and larry's a little smarter than mo and a little more adventuresome with visitors and Mm -hmm. he's the first to kind of want to come up and be petted whereas mo hangs back a little bit and mo sometimes gets upset because larry can figure out how to get through a fence and mo can't (laughs) and you know they've got very very distinct personalities and they're so affectionate they love people they love attention um turkeys change color so the happier they are the more colorful their heads and snoots will be wow and so if there's people around they're bright blues and reds and when people leave they kind of go to like an almost a, a white gray and yeah it's it's amazing and the snoods on the male turkeys will go up and down and kind of change length as well, depending on their moods. I find the snood to be a fascinating little fixture on a turkey, and I'm not even sure if all of our listeners will know what that is. Can, like, what is the purpose of a snood? <laughs> we don't want to be a porno radio station. Oh, I don't even know. I'm completely ignorant. Wow. You can you can give us the uh, the G-rated version. Yeah, a snood is a sexual attraction for the female. <laughs> really? So the brighter the color, the more sexy yeah, the, they the, are. Or the longer. The lo- they oh, are. the longer. Oh. Exactly. The the you know the more interested the female is supposed to be in them. So wow, have you been? I guess you haven't been able to. Oh well, Lizzie. So like, how does Lizzie fare with them? Like, is she like attracted to them, or you said she's like the little sister? Yeah, she's kind of like the annoying little sister. Right. Maybe just because she's younger, she comes up and kind of pecks at their feathers, and pecks at their heads, and just really bothers them. Yeah. And, uh, Are they quite you know, patient they, with her? Very patient, yeah. After a while, like you see, they kind of grow in stature and get a little bit bigger trying to get away from her beak. But then one will just turn around and almost give her a swat and say, you know, get back in your place. Wow. I'd never heard of uh, turkeys having these competitive relationships before. It sounds kind of like how dogs interact. You know, there isn't any difference, really, is there? You know, they, all animals are like that. They all have different personalities and they all have family members. And Larry and Mo are like brothers, you know, and Liz, he's now joined them and is like, as I say, you know, like their little sister. So, 
So, and then you also have other animals at the Happy Herd, of course. And I'm, I'm curious to know, like, I always really appreciate interspecies relationships. And I know you definitely have some there at the Happy Herd. Like, how do the turkeys get along with the other animals? Are they friends with, are they friends with the pigs? Are they friends with baby? Are they friends with the goat? Like, how do they interact? They, well, they walk in and out of the different fields with people Mm -hmm. so they'll be in with the goats they'll be in with you know they're in with chickens all the time Mm -hmm. the only time they have a problem is when they go in with the cows because the cows for some reason like to pull out their tail feathers so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think i wouldn't like that either no (laughs) so so they kind of have decided no it's better to stay on the outside of the fence with the cows you know, but they go in with Lucy, the, you know, the and Betty the pigs and Baby the donkey, and you know they don't have a problem. You know, so everybody gets along. On the uh, not so bright side of things, um, these three turkeys that you know have at Happy Herd were going to be Thanksgiving turkeys. Is that correct? Uh, they should have been, yeah. And we did. Uh, we tried to do a rescue about three months ago. We got a call from the same lady in Chilliwack. She had mm. seventeen escaped turkeys on her front lawn, mm. and uh, unfortunately, she called animal control before she called us. And I got there after they had arrived, and we, you know, helped them catch everybody. And they didn't think that the owner would pay the enormous fine that they were going to levy on him. And we were at that point, I was finding, you know, foster homes for everybody. And unfortunately, he did. And, you know, they're probably no longer around. Um, and based on your experience now working with turkeys, uh, it would be great to hear your experience or knowledge about uh, what the turkeys that haven't been saved might be going through on these farms this weekend or in oh, preparation God. for Thanksgiving. That, you know, like, I don't even want to let my brain go there because, you know, they're seeing each other die. Right. And they're probably hanging upside down by a foot and getting their throat split. I mean... Yeah, not nice. <laughs> you no. know, and you know, until people understand that they are living, you know, beings with personalities, and you know, that's when you start to really put the picture together and realize, like, why would you want to eat this? Yeah. Well, Diane, yeah. Diane, I know I know you get a lot of visitors at the Happy Herd, and you said that actually the people who are meeting Larry and Mo and Lizzie, they're saying they don't want to eat a turkey for Thanksgiving. So can you talk to us about how, how the turkeys at the Happy Herd have affected your visitors? Well, we do get a lot of visitors who are either new vegetarians or new vegans or, you know, couples where maybe one is still a meat eater. Right. And... I think Larry and Mo seem to be the ones that actually get into more people's hearts because they're always with you. You know, they follow you around. They want your attention. You know, they stand beside you. They come up behind you. And so many of these people have kind of walked away from us, scratching their heads a bit and going, like, why? Why did I not ever know this before? And it's... I mean, you know, you see cows by the side of the road, you know, you see a lot of other farm animals, but it's, you almost never see a turkey anywhere. No, it's true. 
So that, you know, you know where I have seen turkeys? In, in the bush in Australia when we were hiking, and they were a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about the turkeys. All, I've been to many farmed animal sanctuaries. The turkeys that, we see, that I see rescued, because no one sees them unless turkeys bred for consumption unless they're at a sanctuary, because they're, otherwise they just see them dead on their plate, right? So we yeah. don't see the before. So can you tell us about how turkeys that come to you who are meant for Thanksgiving are bred are bred for consumption. They're not the same as a wild turkey. No, they're they're basically inside buildings. You know, there's big turkey barns where they live indoors 24-7, never see sunlight, and are crammed together in these small, dusty spaces. And, and I understand, too, they're also bred for size, right? Because we, as in every, every animal in the uh, animal agriculture industry, they want to get the biggest animal in the shortest amount of time. That's, that's absolutely true. Our very first turkey was Thomas. Yeah, I remember and Thomas. I think was, Thomas is on my Facebook, by the way. You should take yeah. a look. Thomas was about 45 pounds. Wow. You know, but, you know, and talking about turkeys I mean I would say Larry and Mo are probably somewhere around 30 35 pounds but we just lost our two um, meat roosters velvet and violet and they were 13 months old and they outweighed our turkeys oh my god that's incredible at 13 months and they would probably have been slaughtered at about nine weeks so the agriculture business, you know, has done so much genetic breeding that, you know, these, these birds get so big that a lot of times they can't support their own weight anymore. That's interesting because so many people who do eat meat are against veal, but I don't think it occurs to them that a lot of the animals they already eat are in fact basically babies when they are killed. No, lambs. Yeah. You know, they don't call them sheep. They call them lambs because, you know, they're killed as babies. So, and, you know, one thing I try and point out to people here, too, is, you know, everybody talks about the male dairy cow. Well, there's the same industry with goats. Yeah. You know, Farley, uh, uh, Farley and Mowat are two where we call dairy goats, male dairy goats that we rescued. And, you know, nobody wanted them because who wants to have to bottle feed something five times a day and wasn't big enough to butcher yet. Yeah, it's really an unfortunate circumstance. We sort of touched on it a little bit earlier in the show, um, but based on these traditions that people celebrate and, and are choosing to uphold, these animals unfortunately have lost their identities as these precious, you know, loving, compassionate animals. Um, it would be great to know what you would want to say to people this weekend who are choosing to continue to celebrate this tradition. I, I would just say, come out and meet Larry and Mo. Yeah. I mean, once you have, you know, you're going to start rethinking everything, you you know, that you do and think about. And there's so much good alternative meats. I call them meats. They're not meats, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, pseudo meats now yeah. that nobody has to, you know, 
have an animal killed just to satisfy their taste buds. No, it's a great point. And I mean, on that note, what what does Happy Herd do on on Thanksgiving weekend? Do you guys have some sort of celebration that you take that takes place at the Happy Herd? Well, this year, unfortunately, because it's going to be raining tomorrow, but we have all our really you know long term volunteers coming for a potluck, and uh, we're going to do a little ceremony with Larry and Mo first, and we're making them special little dinner plates. <laughs> So they get to have, you know, it's their dinner beautiful. before us. Take pictures, please, and post them. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, we will. <laughs> you know, the pouring rain. <laughs> so, but we wanted to give thanks to, you know, all the volunteers that, you know, really help us on a day-to-day basis. And it's it was unfortunate because we can only have so many people. Yeah. So, you know, we got limited. I mean, we would have loved to invite the world, but <laughs> it's, we just don't have that many tables. <laughs> uh, Allison, you were wanting to ask uh, for an update on the uh, the piglets that yeah, we were talking about last Yeah, that's my bonus month. question. How are the piglets doing, Diane? Oh, when I hang up from you, I'm taking Garth to the vet. <laughs> okay. Little, little Garth has not been feeling well. He's mm. eaten something and thrown his system off. So He seems, though, he, that he's here for the long term, I hope, because I know oh, he was having a really tough time at the beginning, and it looks like he's really growing and really enjoying life now. He loves life, and, you know, he is loved by everybody. And, uh, I, you know, I think this is probably just a short-term thing. He was out playing with the volunteers earlier, but he's just not even eating the way he normally eats. So, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry and go and do a quick visit to Dr. Aaron and, you know, let him check him over. But Mom Lulu is doing amazing. She is, uh, you know, for... She had to have emergency surgery four days after she birthed these babies, and it was life or death with her. Oh, and wow. two days later, she's nursing her babies again. So That's amazing. Yeah. You know, these animals want to live, you know, just like humans do. They, you know, they do. They struggle to survive, and they want to be here, and they want to be with their families. I really appreciate you saying that, Diane. Um, we don't have much more time left, but on our, our last note, maybe, um, if there is any need for help at the Happy Herd, what can people do uh, if they want to reach out to you and, and contribute? Uh, best is just to send us a quick email to animals at happyherd.org, and we can set up a visit. Um, right now, we're booking the end of November, we, you know, we've we've kind of shortened our visitations because it's been so busy and uh, uh, but uh, if they want to come and volunteer or if they want to donate they can go on to our website happyherd.org and there's a donate button and uh, you know we've got quite a few people who are doing monthly donations to support an animal we just had a lady who wanted to support the turkeys and she wants to know what it would cost to feed the turkeys for a month. So mm-hmm. she's sending us $42 to pay for their bill for the month. That's beautiful. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Yeah. So, yeah, again, Diane, we are running out of time. I just wanted to say, lastly, thank you very much for sharing your, your wisdom and your love for animals with us here today. Thank you, Diane. Have a, have a, have a happy Thanksgiving. Well, have a happy, compassionate Thanksgiving. Exactly. Exactly. You too. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Anne. Bye. Bye-bye. And now for some news. 
The Vancouver Aquarium made the news this week with their attempt to overturn the park board ban on cetaceans. The case in BC Supreme Court began Monday with about a dozen protesters watching from the gallery. Before the proceedings started, protesters placed cardboard tombstones outside the courthouse that bore the names of cetaceans that had previously died at the aquarium. David Isbister held, held place the protest signs but said he does support the conservation work done by the aquarium. We think they can still do the sporadic good they do without needlessly killing cetaceans, he said. Yeah, I agree. I was there actually at uh, the court case of ha- happening. I think it was this uh, Monday was the first day, uh, and it was really interesting. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a, a court case yourselves, but I highly recommend it. Obviously, it's free to go and, and sit in on a case because we pay for it. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if they charged admission? Oh, I know. Well, we're yeah. the ones that are paying for these yeah. cases to so go. So how on. many? Absolutely. How many animal rights activists were there? Would you think <sighs> that was the big day on Monday? Yeah, I think there were about ten of us, and as Natalie right. pointed out, yeah, they had the uh, the tombstones representing all the the different animals that had passed at the aquarium light out on the sidewalk. There's many, many, many. Yeah, a lot of news coverage as well. Um, And being actually in the court, you could tell just this air of, like, arrogance coming from the side of defense of the aquarium, and it was really awful to watch. And the judge almost seemed to be siding with them in terms of the tone that the case was going through. Are you serious? That's very frustrating. Well, it's just this sort of thing about, like, favoritism. These lawyers were more established, and I heard somebody saying that they, they get the top rate, these lawyers that are representing the aquarium, so they're, like, well-known lawyers. So I'm assuming that's maybe why there's some rapport there between yeah. the judge and these people, but... I, You know, I was reading David Isbister's um, updates. He was giving mm-hmm. frequent updates oh, this yeah. week, so thank you, David, for that, for the people who couldn't be there. I really appreciated that, kind of giving us a little, just, this is what's happening now, this is what's happening now, right. and it's just really, oh, I don't know, it's just... I, my heart goes out to the people like yourself who are there having to witness this. Thank you for bearing witness to this and being able to report back. Mm-hmm. And I, do you know, does anyone know like what is the status of this trial right now? Because it's been going all week. I think what yeah. they said that that day was that it was supposed to be like a four-day hearing. So that would mean that it's done, but I don't think there's been any sort of uh, decisive note right. that has been uh, decided yet at all. I haven't seen any updates in the news yet. I've been keeping yeah. an eye out, though. We'll give you an update. We'll have an update next week. Yeah, <laughs> yes. most likely. Uh, In other news, according to CTV News Vancouver, a man who pleaded guilty to animal cruelty charges stemming from an undercover investigation in Chilliwack, B.C., is now working at another dairy in the Lower Mainland. Brad Genro was one of several Chilliwack cattle sales workers charged after video shot by activist group Mercy for Animals showing cows being abused was released to the public. The footage captured in 2014 appeared to show workers punching and kicking cows, hitting them with canes, and ripping hair from their tails. Genro pleaded guilty in June to two counts of animal cruelty and was sentenced Wednesday to 45 days in jail. He's the sixth employee to receive a jail sentence and the seventh to plead guilty. As part of his sentence, the worker is also prohibited prohibited from having custody or care of large animals for 18 months, a representative of Mercy for Animals said. However, the court decided to make an exception to his probation terms. He will be permitted to work at Cedarwall Farms in Abbotsford, a 350-acre dairy home to 400 cows. Mercy for Animals said John Rowe was among the people seen on camera beating the cows and that his employment at another farm belittles today's convictions for egregious and malicious animal cruelty. So my question is, is why would another farm, because farms are always saying we take care of our animals and we don't 
we don't support what these uh, bad apple workers did, right? Why would another farm take him on? Willingly and knowingly, when this has been highly publicized in the news, it's absolutely shocking. (laughs) Bad PR. Horrible. Really terrible. And yeah, if people are interested in getting to know more about the undercover work that Mercy for Animals does, we actually had the undercover investigator for this investigation on the show several months ago. Check out animalvoices.org. Jeff Regier, he's one of our, he's a great guy and he's done amazing, amazing work. And now on a brighter note, according to Veg News, international fast food giant McDonald's introduced the McVegan burger to the menu this week. <laughs> hey, can I get one? McVegan. Can I get one today? <laughs> right? No. Unfortunately, I... no. It is Why only not? right now in Tampere, a Finland location. <laughs> the vegan as his burger is made with a soy patty and is served with an eggless mis- McFeast sauce. While vegan French fries, baked in vegetable oil in a separate cooking pot, very exciting, are available <laughs> as a side. We used to, there used to be a veggie, McVeggie burger. I remember that remember? years ago. Like, I think it, w- it was like, I think it was in the late 1990s because I remember that was probably the last time I went there to just, I wanted to do some field testing and try it out and yeah. it wasn't that good. And I don't know if it was vegan or vegetarian <sighs> back then. I wasn't vegan. And then you never heard about it again. But did you know what, that at the McDonald's in India, oh. they they have like a full vegetarian menu. That makes I sense. heard that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so please bring it, bring it on. I don't know if I'd go there, but yeah. I don't know. It's it. You know, there's a McDonald's like a minute walk from my place. Oh wow, that's the one that I had never gone to since the 1990s. Well, so. hey, if they get a vegan burger, maybe you'll make a stop. I think I, it, I, unless I it went know. all vegan, I don't know if I'd want to get McDonald's. I don't McDonald's know. There's still money. issues. There's still a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. Huge issues. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for the news. You have been listening to Animal Voices here on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver, Canada. Thank you for joining us on our Thanksgiving episode this week, and we hope you'll join us at the Meatless Meetup Compassionate Thanksgiving on Monday, October the 9th at 5350 Bailey Street. Starts at 4.30 p.m. Join us and 200 other people and eat Gardein. And also join us on next week's show on Friday, October the 13th. Jen will be here, and she will be giving us for sure an update on all the happenings with the Aquarium versus Vancouver Park Board court case. So I just wanted to uh, also say that you can find all of our past episodes on our website. All of our podcasts are there, animalvoices.org. We're also on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. You can subscribe to us on Facebook, Animal Voices Vancouver, to get all the latest info. We're always posting stuff. Natalie, you posted some great Thanksgiving recipes this week that I still need to check out. So if you want some ideas about what to bring to the potluck celebration or if you're having your own this weekend, check Check that out. There's some great ideas there. If you have any ideas of your own that you want to send us, send us an email at radioanimalvoices at gmail.com. So we are going to be closing the show with a song dedicated to the turkeys, the turkeys at the Happy Herd Sanctuary, at all the other farm animal sanctuaries across the globe who are ambassadors for the poor turkeys that are going to be served for Thanksgiving next week. This song goes out to all the turkeys. So this is Turkey Song. Song by Will Tuttle. Please tune in for Radio Eco Shock coming up next, and remember to be kind to the animals.